Welcome into the SBI Podcast. As always, I'm your most handsome host, Garrett Cleverly. The other co-host is Mr. Ivis Galarcep. Ivis, how are you doing today? Pretty well, man. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay, man. I'm, I'm a little under the weather right now, but I'm, I'm trying to get better because out here in Arizona, we have tons and tons of uh, MLS preseason games, a couple international games, including this weekend. We have Mexico taking... Uh, sorry, not Mexico. We have Denmark taking on Canada down in Tucson, and I'm, I'm really excited to... Uh, to see all these games out here, so so I need to get better. And uh, speaking of things getting better, the New York Red Bulls um, have actually announced a new head coach. Unbelievable. Uh, Mike Pecky, their interim head coach, is now their head coach. Ivis, since that's your backyard, I'll let you offer your two cents on it. Well, you know, I think after as long a process as they had to hire a coach, uh, I don't think anyone was going to be surprised by how things played out. But, you know, I, th- I think it was kind of predictable by the end, uh, that they would hire Mike Pecky, as, as I said on the last show. Uh, they, you know, they painted themselves into a corner. Uh, so, you know, taking this long to hire a coach and, and having one fall through in Paulo Souza left them nowhere else to turn but to the very guy who's been running the team since they fired Hans Baca. And, and in some ways, you can't argue with the hire. You know, he, he's a well-respected person in the organization uh, and the club as a former player, a true fan favorite who the fans love. But at the same time, we're talking about a coach with no head coaching experience and someone who's going to have, a, a, I think, a tough time dealing with the egos in that locker room. You know, he's a strong personality himself, but you're going to wonder, you know, how, how will his lack of experience play out uh, coaching that team? And, and if he falls on his face, I, they're going to have no one else to blame. But the, the leadership there, Andy Roxburgh uh, and Gerard Houllier, the guys who ultimately, I, in my mind, botched this coaching search, uh, by, by you know, going through hoops, trying to find an international coach, foreign coach. If Mike Pecky fails, it won't be his fault. It's going to be the club's fault. Uh, Ivis, I actually have to give you uh, major props for this one. The other day on the show, uh, we were talking about how Pecky was actually running through all the drills and, and handling all the day-to-day operations and doing this and doing that, everything that it is that a head coach would do. And you're the one that said um, that they should just hire him as the head coach since he's doing all that. So, Ivis, uh, congratulations on the uh, on making the Red Bulls uh, make that hire. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, w- I wish I could take credit for that, but I- I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only person by that point. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you were on the payroll. Uh, you know, some people might think I'm on a payroll, and, and, and you know what? I wouldn't mind that money right now, but uh, unfortunately – uh, I, I don't think the Red Bulls are, are, are in a hurry to hire me in any capacity. <laughs> um, let's uh, move it along. Let's uh, talk uh, big, um, big ownership change. We all saw Lake uh, have uh, uh, their minority owner, mi- minority owner, excuse me, uh, Del Loy, uh, Loy Hansen has taken over a full controlling interest of Real Salt Lake. I don't think that's going to do too much for the club. Ivis, what do you think? Well, I think in some ways it was a shock, if only because Dave Checkers was such a key figure and driving force behind Real Salt Lake uh, existing, being created, and now succeeding and thriving as one of the top organizations in MLS. Uh, but when you look at, at the way things have played out, you have a minority owner stepping up now to be a full owner. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of a shakeup at, at Salt Lake. You're still going to have you know, one of the best, if not the best, GMs in the league in Garth Fagerway and one of the best head coaches in the league in Jason Christ. So I think they're still going to be in good shape, and they're still going to be one of the top teams in MLS. Uh, so I, I don't think for the average fan, I don't, hopefully I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. No, and, and he uh, purchases uh, 51% of the remaining, so he gets RSL, the stadium, uh, the ESPN local affiliate up there. And, and, and I think also having a guy 
that has been a minority or by minority owner already. He already knows the club culture, knows the system, knows the fans. I I don't think that RSL should expect too much out of this. Right. I mean, if anything, you know, they're pretty lucky in that regard that their their new full owner is someone who knows the team, has been around the team, uh, and has that experience. And it's not just somebody. Some random coming off the street. Some, yeah, right. Somebody with crazy ideas who, who decides they're going to shake things up and, and be this meddlesome owner. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you'd like to think that's not going to happen. No, and I think with RSL, I mean, you pretty much just kind of, you don't do anything and you just and you just continue to let things operate the way they've been operating. Um, speaking of other big news, uh, USL and MLS have uh, partnered up together. Uh, MLS and USL, part of their agreement is to send some players down to two USL teams, and then the MLS reserves will play some USL pro teams. I think this is a great, excuse me, I think this is a great move for US soccer, especially since we have a new team out here in Phoenix. I'm excited about it because now we can see some MLS, some guys who maybe need some playing time. We'll get to have them on my team. Well, they're not my team because I'm not on the team, but on the team that I'm supporting now. So I think this is a huge move. I mean, Ivis, did you ever see something like this happening? Well, it's been talked about for some time. I think anyone who's followed the league closely knows that there's been a void for a while now, a void for young players to get playing time and experience. And even with the return of the Reserve League, you, you get the sense that it just wasn't enough. Uh, the, the Reserve League, as it was constituted, just wasn't getting the job done and wasn't really no. offering high-level uh, matches and high-level experience for younger players. And, and when you're MLS and you're building up your academies and you're starting to bring in younger and younger players, you have to have somewhere for them to play. And, and this really creates an opportunity now for, for teams to have somewhere to send their younger players to develop, to get good games. Uh, and whether that's with the USL teams on, on season-long loans or if it's in, in better matchups in the reserve division. Uh, I, I think now you're going you know, to see MLS reserve teams facing USL pro teams who, in my opinion, are going to offer up better competition than the type of reserve matches that, that we've seen in the past in MLS where, you know, you'd have MLS teams fielding reserve teams with guest players, college players, academy players. It was all pretty much a mess kind of thrown together. And you'd like to think and you'd hope that this new setup is going gonna, is gonna to get away from that and give the MLS reserve teams and the, especially the young players, the young players who need, who need good games, uh, a much better experience to develop. I think this is huge for the league, though, because it now gives guys who maybe are going to be cut at the end of uh, preseason here, they're going to have to go down to USL to get those playing times. But instead of just being in USL, uh, since the MLS teams are going to be sending their players on, playing reserve league, reserve league matches, this could be huge for guys who are fringe-level players that are still, you know, they need that exposure. They, just, they need that one more chance to, to move up a league. This could be huge for those guys. Right. I mean, I think it works both ways, you know, in, in one sense. It gives the younger players a chance to, to go up against uh, more 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 experienced players. They're yes. not going up against kind of thrown together academy teams, college players, college teams, and like you said, it's going to give USL players a chance to to show what they can do to, in front of MLS coaches. And I think that, if anything, is going to offer some real motivation to those USL teams and those USL players to step their game up in the in these uh, matches, in these reserve division matches. Yeah, uh, anyone who's been out to MLS reserve games know that they just the 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 intensity is not really there the the, the continuity is not really there and I think one of the benefits of this setup is the fact that you're going to have better matchups better matches uh, and better soccer because you're going to have more cohesive teams and you're going to have those those younger MLS players those 
generation Adidas types who just can't get on the first team field. Yes. They're going to have that. Ch- they're going to have a chance to move t- to USL and and get games. Yeah, I, I know a couple of those guys that that were drafted last year that just they, they saw the field for a couple of games, they disappeared. So you're right. Even those guys can get some playing time rather than just kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs and playing games that they're really not getting any benefit from. However, though, does this now rule out USL as a competing league against MLS? And that does that now leave just MLS and NASL as the two competing leagues? Listen, uh, I, I don't know whoever thought USL was really going to be a serious competitor to MLS. I don't think that was ever the case or ever the idea. I mean, that, we're talking two divisions down. Uh, the NASL is the division below MLS. And then you go below that, it's U, it's USL Pro. I know some people say there's not that much of a difference between the NASL and, and USL Pro, but there there is a difference. I mean, I think there, there's more money in the NASL, especially now you're starting to see new ownership groups buying into NASL. I think It's funny that I've heard some, I guess there's some people who believe that this could hurt NASL. I don't see that at all. I really don't see how this USL Pro MLS merger does a thing to, ML, uh, to NASL. <clears throat> I think NASL has their own plan. They have their new. They have money coming in. They have ownership groups coming in. I think that that league is actually very healthy and, and heading in a good direction. Uh, I don't see anything but positive uh, positive marks for this this merger, this 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 agreement, this deal. And uh, it, we're gonna see. We're not gonna. Maybe we won't see it right away. But I think as we get three, four, five years down the line, and we see these younger players who've had the better experience to develop, the better opportunity to 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 play meaningful games. I think then. That's when we're going to see uh, players developing fat more quickly and at younger ages. And, and I think that's the ultimately what MLS needs. They need they need their players to develop at younger ages so they can have longer careers, better careers, and be better overall soccer players. Ivis, we could talk about the uh, the USL MLS uh, integration in a little more detail once we find out all the details about the player allocations, the money, uh, the reserve, uh, the 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 standing side. We could talk about all that. Um, but let's head over uh, to the international front with the American soccer scene. Josie Altador, he is on pace already to pass his goals from last season, having another remarkable year. Pretty impressive uh, to see him continuing to to climb up that ladder that that will make all U.S. men's national team fans happy. Absolutely, you know, right now he's he's one of the most informed American players in the world. He he's come through a slump here and there, and he's putting together another dream season with AZ. Alkmaar in, in, in the Netherlands, and, and right now you, you have to say teams are lining up for him next summer, and there's, I, I don't see any way how he isn't a big-money transfer come this summer. You know, I'm actually shocked, though. I'm surprised that there was no rumors on him getting transferred at all during this, this, this transfer window. Does that surprise you at all? Well, I, I think the, the key behind that is the fact that AZ had a rough first half of the season, and, and they you know when they got through the winter break, they weren't that far ahead of the relegation zone. So I think if you're them, you can't you can't afford to sell your best, your leading score when you're in that kind of situation. So and 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 that and that being said, as a team, when you have some, some so much invested in a player like Altador, you want to sell him in the summer. You want to maximize your, your your return and you want to give him a full year. I mean, he's on fire right now. His his stock is only going to go up if he keeps this going. So if you're AZ, you want to hold on to him. And this summer, you'll have any number of teams. Lining up. I mean, he had suitors last summer. He had he had several teams in Europe interested last summer, and I think those offers are only going to get that much bigger if he keeps scoring goals the way he's scoring goals right now. That's very true. And uh, we now have Josie on the line. Let's head out to the Netherlands. Josie, how are you doing today? 
I'm all right. How are you guys? We are doing excellent. I mean, you're on fire right now. Uh, your second hat trick of the season with the hex schedule coming up. I mean, how important is it for you to just to you know just to, to continue to get that playing time in Europe so you can maintain this to help out the U.S. men's national team? Um, I think you know just just the fact that just to be able to be improving every day. I think that's the biggest thing for me. I've always said that. I just want to improve, and, and, and every move is a step in your career, and this has been a good step for me. And you know, In terms of the national team, it's not, that's not anything I can control. I'm not worried about that at the moment. You know, you worry about that if you're called in, but you know, up until then, you worry about what you can control, and that's what I do here in my club, how I train, you know, how I conduct myself, and that's all I've been focusing on. Now, Josie, uh, the first half of the season, you guys didn't have the, the kind of first half you, you'd like to have. How, how much urgency is there now? going into the second half to, to step it up and kind of get away from the lower half of the table. Do you, do you feel that pressure? No, it's definitely there. I mean, but in a sense, not really because we've played well. We've lost games in the first half season, but we played well. It was just about being more composed all around. And I think that came with having a bit of new players in the squad. So that But now you see it's kind of improving. It's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight because everybody needs to do, do time to settle in. But I think the talent's there, and we dominate some games. We just we lack a little bit, you know, whether it's defending or or finishing, you know, and finishing off those chances. But I think it's there. I think I don't think we have the panic button quite yet. I think we're improving, and it's definitely a work in progress. But I think we have enough to to get over the hump and and stay safe and hopefully qualify for Europe. Well, the only way, I mean, you guys can qualify for Europe uh, with the Dutch Cup. I mean, you guys got a big game coming up here in about five days. Uh, I mean, how yeah. important is this game for you guys coming up here? Yeah, the cup is huge. It's a it's a great avenue to get into Europe, and not only that, but to win a title. Everybody likes winning, so it'd be it'd be nice to to get as far as we can in that. But but also, it's not it's not totally out of it in the league either. I mean, we're I think three or four points behind the eighth position. So I mean, it's it's all it's there's everything to play for now in the coming weeks. So we just have to be prepared for that. You're talking about the team uh, that you you play for. You obviously have some great talent on that squad. One of the players on that squad, Adam Mayer, is uh, one of the best young players in Europe. What, what's he been like to play with? And and, and is is he? Are, would you say he's the best or one of the best you've ever played with? Yeah, he's a great player. I think you know. Also, playing in Holland enables him to kind of be free to kind of play his game. I'm not saying that because of the league. I'm saying that because of the formation we play. You know, you kind of play with two people behind him, so. It frees him up a little bit to kind of roam a bit and do that offensive work and and, and use the talent that he possesses. So, and I think we've been lucky. It's been great. To be, it's been great to have him. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure to play with him. He's definitely one of the better players I've, I've had a pleasure of playing with. And I think he's gonna you know do great things, you know, in the in the, in the next four months. And not only that, wherever he goes, whatever club he's playing for next season, I think he'll be very successful. Good player. Josie, you're already on pace to uh, score more goals this season than, than last season. What, what has been the one thing for you going over to the Dutch League that, that's helped improve your game in general? Um, I just I think I think the training aspect has just been better. I've been in uh, I just kind of adjusted my 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 training habits and 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 uh, how I approach the whole training environment. I mean, I've always approached it in a serious way, but I think when you're young, especially coming up where where in, in America it's a bit different, but I think the environment here, uh, what you're exposed to on a daily basis, I think makes you a better player. And I think I've, I'm finally feeling the benefits of that in terms of, you know, I'm training the way I'm playing. And I think that's important going forward for any player. And I think I just have to continue to build on that and just understand that I'm far from the finished product and there, there are many more levels I want to achieve, but I think I'm on the right path. Hopefully I'm on the right path. Now, Jose, you, you obviously have a busy schedule uh, with with – AZ, 
But if you look at the calendar in a couple of weeks, the uh, World Cup qualifying starts up again. The hex, you know, the time yeah. of year everybody waits for. How hex? How, how much have you thought about that, and how excited are you to go through that process again? Obviously, you were you were a big part of the last qualifying go around, and you did very well. Uh, how much how much are you look, looking forward to kind of being in that mix again, going down to Central America and facing all every you know everything that that brings? Uh, I'm excited for the team. I think uh, you know it's it's obviously a great opportunity. The hex is. You know, it's what we all play for, you know, to go to the World Cup. And and I think this is, you know, uh, yet again, a great a great chance for us to kind of demonstrate how far we've come and, and also demonstrate how difficult it is to qualify in CONCACAF. And, and as for me, I'm, I haven't really thought about it much. Um, I don't think anybody can really think about it much besides the coaching staff because nobody's a shoo-in to, to play in any game. But from afar, you know, it definitely looks looks it looks exciting to, to play in a qualifier in a hostile environment like Honduras. It, it it would be fun, so uh, to have the opportunity would be nice. But if not, you know, I'd I'd be one cheerleader for home, hundred percent. What are your kind of memories of the last go around? I mean, I, I know one game that stands out for me, the El Salvador game with the big comeback that you were a part of. But yeah. where, where do those kind of memories kind of stack up in your in your mind for you know all the memories as far as you've had as a pro? Um, I think it was big because I always heard about it. You know, growing up in the in the national system, you hear about how difficult it's qualifying and. I mean, you hear things, but you, you can never quite understand it until you go through it. So going through it, especially I remember the game El Salvador away, just that whole process with it was just terrible. <laughs> and then get to the stadium, the stadium, the the pitch itself. It's a really difficult thing to deal with. It's a grind, definitely, but it shows just how much you know goes into qualifying, how much it means to everybody involved, and it's a special thing to be a part of. And I think you're gonna have to put your best foot forward, and you have to play your best in order to qualify. Josie, one of the the things that happened last week was the MLS draft, and to go you know even further down memory lane, do you remember that experience of what it was like? I mean, as a young kid, you were very young when you were drafted. You know, what was going through your mind when that whole experience happened for you? I was nervous, man. I was nervous the whole day just because uh, it's a big step for a young guy. Uh, for me, I was I think sixteen, fifteen or sixteen or something like that at the draft day itself. So yeah, I mean that's a big step. Any ch- any time you. It's all your dreams coming true. Be able to play professional soccer, and you're that you're that much closer to everything you've ever dreamed of. And that was a special day for me, a special moment, and I'll never forget it. Being called to the team I wanted to go, especially, was really big for me and my family. So it was really exciting and a, def- a definite turning point in, in, in a young player's life. Is it crazy? Is it crazy to think that you were drafted by the Metro Stars? I mean, it was that long ago. Yeah, it's crazy, man. They're still called the Metro Stars, but it was what I wanted. You know, it was the team I followed growing up. You know, the team I wanted to be on, you know, and, you know, for me, it was really special. And I, I caught a glimpse of the the gla- uh, of the draft and, you know, you see how excited those kids are. It's, it's a big moment for them and, and it's the start of a, a lot of hopefully successful careers. How much do you remember about that whole process with the draft? Because from what I remember, uh, from what I recall from that, I think Mo Johnson was telling everybody that will listen that you were staying in school, you weren't coming out, you were going to, you know, you would take two years to come to the team. So that's why you slipped a bit in the draft. Did you know that stuff was going on? Did you get a sense of that? I had no idea. I had no idea that was happening. I was just sitting there nervous (laughs) uh, and just waiting for my name to be called. I mean, I spoke to, I had spoke to them uh, within the draft, during the draft. And, you know, I told them, look, this is the place I want to come. Just because being so young, it was important that I was drafted to a place where I'd have a lot of support with my family and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the ideal place for me. And I, and I kind, of, kind of told them, you know, this is the team I want to play for, how much it would mean to me. So, you know, I hope that would be enough. But I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, no. Good. 
Uh, one of the teams that you've been that you've had the chance to play for through through this time coming to Europe is uh, you had a little time to in Turkey, and now one of one of your, your good friends is is at the same club. Uh, Maurice Adu has gone over to Bursaspor. Did you talk to him about you know, what to expect in, in, in that move? I mean, did you have a chance to, to catch up about that? Yeah, I told him. I said, you know, it's different. It's a different lifestyle. It's a different way of going about things in Turkey than in England. And and that uh, I told him, I, I kind of gave him a little bit of pointers of what to expect in terms of they train a lot. Uh, it's a different culture, you know, living wise. And but I think I, I stressed him that I thought he would he would enjoy it. He would enjoy the soccer. It's a, it's a pretty good level there, and and they're very passionate. So. I thought that things for a soccer player he would enjoy. I told him that, and I let him make his own decision. And, uh, and I hope that he, he goes there and he, and he does well, which I, we're all confident he can because he's a great player. So you know, hopefully he does that and he enjoys his time there. People don't really talk about your time there that much, you know, with, with the other places you've been. But, you know, I get the sense maybe that that helped you a bit, going there and getting some time and kind of experiencing a different culture. How much did that, even though you weren't there long, how much did the time there help you? In that process, oh, it was big. I got back on my feet. You know, I I got playing again. I got a, uh, I got some more game experience, and it was it could have been an option going forward. But I just felt that that at that at that moment in time was the right right move. But it was great for me. They were great to me. Uh, it gave like I said, it gave me the opportunity to play, and just get back on my feet, which I needed at that point in time. So, you know, it's it's a great club. It's a great place to play, in, and and uh, you know, I owe them a lot. Uh, what, what, just more, one more for me, for you. Uh, I don't know if you heard the news or not, but uh, the Red Bulls named Mike Petke their head coach today. Uh, yeah. You know, your former teammate. It's, it's five years ago now. It's funny how time flies. What would you think when you hear that news, and how, how do you think he'll be as a coach? Um, I'm excited for for Red Bull in the sense that you know uh, now Mike, you know he understands what it's going to take. He understands the fan base there, which I think is kind of the biggest thing for Red Bull. I never thought they had somebody close enough to the fans who kind of understood what what they wanted there so in that sense I think it's interesting and the coaching sense and then all that other stuff obviously I think there's a bit of a question mark just because Mike has never been a coach but in terms of passion and, and a guy that knows the club I think that's a great choice and I hope Mike going forward you know gets all the support from the supporters and, and the front office to the point where he's able to make the team successful and it's, it's a long time coming for New York to be successful everybody knows that so you know hopefully you know this can be the year but at the same time, you know, we got to be patient. you got to build a successful team. You can't all the time buy it, and, and hopefully we, we do that this year and we build something to be proud of in the coming years. Josie, uh, tomorrow night you guys have VVV Venlo on the schedule. Um, are you going to hear any born in the USA uh, when we watch the YouTube highlights of your goals? That's <laughs> on my mind, man. Honestly, every game, every training, I step out, and I really don't worry about that. I just focus on improving and, and getting better because I know there's – there's more waiting for me, but I but I got to work hard and, and and work for it. And and coming here, I understand that. And and tomorrow, my focus is just getting better, man. Scoring or not scoring, I just want to have a good all around game and and work hard for my team. Uh, Josie, one more for me. Uh, I have to ask since uh, you know th- this guy was a a part of your kind of development coming up. But I don't know if you heard Juan Pablo Angel has returned to Colombia. He's uh, you know left MLS after six years. Uh, can you talk about just your time playing with him and what? How he was, kind of as a mentor for you. I mean, I don't think I don't think one can debate how successful Juan was. I think he was a turning point in terms of DPs in the league, and uh, what they should represent. I mean, it was a guy that you know came in and and worked hard for the team, you know, respected the league, and you know, I, I think that's you know what it should be all about when you're looking for a DP, somebody that's going to be a leader and not take days off. And I thought. 
Juan Pablo is exceptional, and I think he's one of the best players ever played in MLS, and a fantastic guy, and I wish him all the best, and I hope there's a lot more Juan Pablo Angels in the league in the future because it, it, it just helped everybody involved, the young players, the club, MLS, and, and he was a pleasure, a pleasure to be around. Well, Josie, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Everyone can follow Josie on Twitter, at Josie Outdoor. Uh, good luck tomorrow, and good luck going forward in the Dutch League, all right? All right, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Ivis, like I said before, Josie uh, in excellent form right now. Very important for him uh, to be in form, especially with these Hex games coming up. I mean, every game, if you look at the schedule, you look at the teams, is going to be very, very, very important. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I kind of wish he would have answered your first question about how he maintains his on fire. <laughs> oh God! Uh, but you know, I, I'd say <clears throat> he's got six goals in his last three games <clears throat> for AZ, and it, it, he's going to be so important for for the U.S. in qualifying. And as much as he didn't want to talk about the national team as if he has his place guaranteed on the team, I think it's safe to say his place is assured on this team. I know him and Jurgen Klinsmann had this whole thing last year where. Jurgen wanted to send him a message and kind of wanted to shake him up a bit. But you know what? That th- that was the time to do it. Now is not the time to play those kind of games. I think it's fair to say that Jurgen Klinsmann will not be playing any of those kind of stunts now. He has to have his best players available when when the hex starts throughout the hex. And there's no question that Josie Altidore is one of the U.S. team's best players. I know people question his, his, his production with the U.S. team through the years, but the, the fact is he's he's – Right now, you can argue the most informed striker in the pool, and he's also a player for people who have short memories. Four years ago in the Hex, he also he also produced. So he's been there. He's been in that environment, Central America. He's put goals in in that environment. So I think he's going to play a key role. Well, the other thing, too, well, first off, thank you for ripping me for my question. Uh, and number two, uh, the other thing I think people forget about is he's only 23 years old. He's still a very young player. I, I think sometimes that – Maybe we look at Josie as a little bit older because it's true. I mean, he has been around forever. I mean, he he started off in 2006. 2006 was his first season, which is 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 crazy to really think about how long ago that really was. So he's 23 years old, and he like he said, he's still growing. His ceiling, we don't know what his ceiling's like yet. He's still climbing that ladder, and he I don't even think he, he's even come close to what he can be at yet. And, and that's why a player like him is going to be so important, and, and having other guys who are going to be um, in, in form, are just as important, too. Uh, Ivis, you said it before. He has six uh, six goals in three games. I mean, you expect him to have a huge, huge campaign for the U.S. men's national team. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think as much as some other players stepped up, you know, someone like Eddie Johnson, he showed well in, in qualifying last year. And, and you have a younger guy like <clears throat> Terrence Boyd and a veteran like Hercules Gomez. I think Josie Altidore <clears throat> is going to be key for the Hex. I think he's going to be absolutely vital for what the U.S. attack is going to be able to do. And uh, you mentioned his age, you know, he's 23. But as you also mentioned, he started at such a young age that he might be 23 in age. But from a maturity standpoint, from yes. an experience standpoint, he's like he's 27, 27 or 28, at least in terms of what we normally see for American players. I mean, he's already been through the whole experience of, of Europe and struggling in Europe and finding his way earning a starting spot and now really gaining confidence by scoring so many goals in the Netherlands. Uh, I, I think that combined with what he went through last year with Jurgen Klinsmann really texting him and send, trying to send a message to him that, that he needed to step his game up. I think, I think Josie Altidore comes into the hex with, with a lot to prove with a chip on his shoulder. And I think that is going to drive him to, to, for me, I think he's going to have the biggest hex uh, on the national team. I think goals wise, I think he's going to be the leading scorer. 
and I think it's really going to be a breakout year for him. Well, that obviously will make uh, every uh, U.S. men's national team fan happy. Uh, let's look at the current camp situation right now. Uh, we talked to Will Bruin the other day, had two goals. Apparently, we weren't supposed to know about that. Well, no one was supposed to know about that since it was a closed practice, but we want to thank the people who were looking through the chain fence. Um, but with the uh, camp overall in general, Ivis, what are you hearing out of the camp? A couple injuries came out. Um, you know, who, who are you hearing that's performing really, really well? You know, what's your overall take on the guys that have been called to the camp so far? Well, unfortunately, I'm not in L.A. I wish I was in L.A., so I, I don't have much on the front as far as who was playing well. I had heard that Edson Buttle was playing well, but now he's injured. He's going to miss the game against Canada on Tuesday. And also San Jose right back, Stephen Betashore is going to miss the game. Uh, and, you know, I think both those guys were probably in contention to get some playing time. Uh, I think uh, as far as who's doing well, you know, when we talked to Will Bruin, he mentioned Alfredo Morales. Mm -hmm. He's definitely an interesting player because, you know, some people will look at his club situation and say, look, the guy can't even get minutes for his club team. Why is he even in the mix? But I think, you know, based on comments that Will Bruin made, it's showing that this kid has quality. We saw that with Terrence Boyd, too. Right, no, and also with Alfredo Morales, we saw it with the U23s. When he played on the U23 team, the U23 national team a year ago, and they faced Mexico, he was one of the key figures in then beating Mexico in a friendly, and he wasn't available in Olympic qualifying. And, and you know, a lot of people point to that and say, you know, if, if, if Caleb Porter had Alfredo Morales available, it might have been a different story. Obviously, that's water under the bridge, but he's still a player who, obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann rates, a lot of people rate, and I think he's someone that, while he, his club situation isn't the best right now and he's not getting minutes, he, he's a talented player who we really need to keep our eye on. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Jurgen does a good job of finding those guys who, you know, he, he seems to have that, that perfect balance of when, when, he, when to know to pick up guys and w- when he needs to put them down type of thing. Have you ever seen that in a coach before that kind of like, he, he almost seems to kind of know at the right time when to do it type of thing. Well, I think, it, it, really, I think it's more a case of he, he doesn't get too caught up in, in things like, you know, someone not getting playing time or not getting playing time. As much as, you know, in the past, he's been quoted as saying it's important for players to be playing, to, to be in the mix for the national team. I think he sees through that, and I think he can understand that sometimes players are in, in unique situations, in tough situations. Obviously, his playing career, he had an amazing playing career, but he, he also had his share of adversity, so he knows what that's like. So I, I think he, I don't think he's someone that's going to rule people out based on something static, something like he, I don't think he has hard and fast rules on, okay, if you're not getting X minutes, you're not getting called in. That's obvious. And, and I think he's been pretty thorough about, you know, looking through the talent in the pool, bringing guys in and seeing what's available for him uh, this year. And uh, the U S men's national team plays Canada in a friendly on uh, Tuesday. That's a, uh, January 29th, and then they have their first World Cup qualifying game against Honduras in Honduras on February 6th. Ivis, uh, we need to talk about one more thing that you and I uh, had a very, 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 very funny chuckle about before the show was the uh, Hazard, uh, Eden Hazard, uh, the Chelsea player, kicking the ball boy. Um, that was perhaps one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the, the, the <laughs> wide variety of reactions to this 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 whole incident. Uh, at the end of the day, Aiden Hazard was stupid. You know, he lost his head. He got upset. Wait, wait, wait! He's stupid. No way! The kid flopped on the ball. He had every right to kick him. No, 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 no! It was stupid because you know, in this day and age, you can't assault. You can't hit. Uh, you know, not people. You just you can't do it. You can't just assault people. I mean, that's whatever it is. As harmless as it might have been. 
you can't you can't touch other people like that. You can't hit them. You can't kick them. You can't do it. That being said, this ball boy was completely uh, equally at fault for having this whole situation happen because he it was clear as day he was trying to waste time. And now we come to find out later on that the ball boy is a 17 year old college student who was bragging on Twitter before the game that he was being brought in to be a time waster. Okay, let, let me let me let me read to you his Twitter account since you said that. Okay, his uh, his name on Twitter is Charlie Morgan, and with the the O instead of an O, it's a zero. And on January twenty third, he tweets out, "The king of all ball boys is back, making his final appearance." Hashtag needed. Hashtag for. Hashtag time wasting. I mean, he put that on Twitter, and mind you, in that tweet that he sent out has almost been retweeted almost forty thousand times. He now almost has. Oh, I'm sure he's going to pass us by the time this show goes up. He will probably have 100,000 followers on Twitter by the time this show goes up. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean, when people found that, that account, it definitely, you know, tore through that whole idea that some people had that, oh, my Lord, Aiden Hazard assaulted a child. He, you know, <laughs> they, they made it seem like it was an 8-year-old choir boy. Absolutely not. I mean, this is a 17-year-old college student. He's in his picture, his, his Twitter avatar, holding a can of Guinness, bragging about, you know, uh, being a time waster. He knew what he was doing. He fell on the ball, and he actually tried to play keep away with Hazard as Hazard's sitting there trying to get the ball from him. So, you know, <laughs> while he was wrong for what Hazard for what he did, on top of all that, I don't think Hazard even kicked him all that hard. And no! then the guy completely he made a meal of it, rolled around. Oh, I know. The funniest, the funniest part of, was, of the, the replay is, him rolling around and then him looking up and noticing the ref ignored it, and he actually just made a face and put his hand up like, "Are you really going to ignore that?" <laughs> so, so you know, the, the only thing I could think of was, you know, this is if Luis if Luis Suarez was a ball boy. Oh my gosh, that, he that would be him. So yeah, it was. Fire. He, uh, he his recent tweet, his most recent tweet, is uh, crazy. Twenty four hours spoke to Hazard and will not be pressing charges. Be in touch. Pressing charges? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. That's a I mean, joke. If, if, if anything, he should have he should have closed that account and and then yes. not, and said it wasn't his. But now, now it's clear as day. He's confirmed that that's him. It, it, it's hilarious. And you know, it, it, and the funny thing is, he's a, he's probably a hero now uh, among Swansea fans for what he did. And the craziest part of all is that he, he kind of was rewarded for it because after the game, uh, <laughs> apparently the Chelsea physio, the most famous physio in the world, because she's female and she's beautiful apparently led him to the locker room, and he met John Terry, Frank Lampard. He shook Hazard's hand. Hazard apologized. So not only is he a hero now among his Swansea fans, he had, like, dream post-game experience with the, with the, the lady Chelsea physio in meeting probably the hero, his heroes. So, I mean, you know what? Give him credit because uh, he, he made out like bandit. I'm going to speak for all the uh, single uh, guys in their mid-20s here. Just type into Google Chelsea physio. If you don't know how to spell physio, it's P. H Y S I O. Just type it in, and, and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean he's. A, you know what? You <clears throat> can't. You cannot. You know what? I, I think most people would take a kick in the ribs if it got him 100,000 followers. Yes, and and some time with the Chelsea physio. So you know, hats off to him. Well, Charlie Morgan has his uh, 15 minutes of fame. So congratulations, Charlie Morgan. You you we we talked about you on the SBI podcast. That's big time. If we're talking about you on the SBI podcast. Absolutely. I think he's right now he's second only to the Rene Tuiasopo guy who, who totally catfished Monte Teo 
he's in that that wall of infamy now. Oh, speaking of fifteen minutes of fame, I'm looking on this 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 JV looking website right here, and and there, I see this headline already. It says. A look ahead to the 2014 MLS draft class. The first 2014 SBI. Oh, this is your website. SBI draft big board. Ivis, 2014 draft already? Wait a minute. You said JV website? Yes, I did. What What is my mock draft doing on the AZ Kicks It website? I don't know. <laughs> when did we have – I don't think we had that. Oh, I, we were sharing content. That, that's part of the deal. You know, your website, my website, we have to share content. You didn't know that? Uh, you know what? I, I missed the fine print on that one. Well, Ivis, but... as the milk hyper of the uh, MLS draft, I know you're trying to um, turn this in, into almost pretty much a year-round thing. Um, your draft is already up. You know, what, what do you see so far? Does some guys are you know? I don't think anyone's going to be too familiar with these players. I mean, do you want to give us some players that people should maybe start you know thinking of that that next year that type of thing? Well, in, in, generally speaking, one thing I would say about the next year's draft class is that, you know, I think some people believe that it's actually stronger than this year's class. Uh, there is a little bit more high-end talent in next year's draft. And, and I think the fact that MLS decided to not sign some players and let them go back to school is actually going to work out in the league's favor in, in that it's going to bolster next year's crop. And, you know, if you want to talk about a few guys, I'd point out Maryland's going to have two of the best players in the country, in, uh, in uh, currently a freshman but will be a sophomore forward, Chilo Shuma a player who anyone who watched the NCAA tournament saw him and realized what an exciting, uh, dynamic attacking player he is. And obviously Patrick Mullins, a player who, for my money, MLS should have signed. And a lot of teams agree that MLS should have signed him to Generation Adidas deal. He would have been a first-round pick. He could have been a top-ten pick. Uh, now next year he'll go in and he'll be a top-five pick. And he's a really skilled player, uh, forward, and can play on the wing, uh, a goal scorer, great player. And so Maryland's going to be a team to watch. Also, uh, Andre Blake, the UConn goalkeeper, assuming he doesn't leave school to go to Europe or try something out, he's 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 one of those kind of once in a generation goalkeepers that comes through the college ranks. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him being a GA signing this year for this year's draft, but ultimately people thought you know he he could use a year of seasoning, so he he, he didn't get a deal. And another player is Emma Boateng, uh, a young uh, a, a playmaker slash left winger for UCSB. You know, he a former. Gatorade National Player of the Year. Uh, he had an outstanding freshman season, and next year I think he, he has a chance to really break out. Uh, those are just some of the names. Uh, you know, some people will say it's crazy, it's early, it's it's it, that's a year away. But you know what? When you look at the other major sports, when you think about the NFL and the NBA, as soon as the draft is over, there's already mock drafts for the next year. There's already big sports for the next year, and and the way I see it, I, I think I, I I know for a fact that people want to know this stuff. So. I put it out there, and and already on Twitter, I've got you know people all over the place talking about these guys, asking about these guys, and and, and I think there's starting to be a little more interest in the college game because of that, because MLS fans are hungry for that info and they want to know who the next guys are coming up the pipeline. Oh, you're right. I mean, it is as as U.S. soccer and 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 the the talent and the exposure obviously continues to increase. We want to know who these guys are. We want to know who the next up and coming guys are because hopefully we're going to get to a time where our best players are going to be guys who are 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, that type of thing, rather than guys who are a little bit older in their age. Uh, and that's not to take away from any of the guys on the U.S. men's national team, though, but, you know, I think as all, all of us are fans and we all want to see America do well, you know, we, we want to see guys who are, you know, 21, 22, like what you said with Josie Altidore. We want to see guys at that age who are, who are in form and are the best players at their position. And 
and and like you said, I mean, you want to make the draft a year-round thing, and and it is a year-round thing. And and if everyone wants to check it out, uh, go to uh, soccerbyivis.net. It's on the uh, top headlines on the right-hand side. It's uh, a look ahead to the 2014 MLS draft class. Uh, check it out. Also, get familiar with the names. There are some killer names on here. Oh, no question. I mean, not only is there great talent, there's some some some, <laughs> some of the funnier names that. That, that I think people are going to fall in love with. Like, uh, you know, some of my favorites are, you know, obviously Fifi Biden, another another UCSB player. They're going to, that's going to, he's going to be fun to watch. And also Robbie Lovejoy, who I know is one of your favorite players. Yeah, I, before when I was looking at this, I, I couldn't believe the names. The names are, are they are out of nowhere. They are, <laughs> they are, they are quite funny. Very, all these guys have unique names. I mean, there's not like one guy with like a normal first and last name. No, there's uh, no. You know what? I, I I don't know about that. I mean, well, you, you don't see like you don't names. see like you, got you know Alex Martinez. You got Christian Dean, but then you also have guys like Ben Sweat. His last name is Sweat. <laughs> he's, he's a talented, athletic left back, but his name is Sweat. So there you go. <laughs> I can only imagine the uh, the headlines that are people already starting to form with with that name. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, neither, yeah, neither do I. Um, well, that wraps it up for the uh, the SBI show. We want to thank um, Josie Outdoor for joining us. Ivis, as we close out the show, do you have any final comments going into this weekend? Well, I, th- I think people need to realize that how the quali- qualifying is right around the corner. It's two weeks away. Yep. <clears throat> two weeks from now, I'll be in Honduras in the most dangerous city in the world. All I'm hearing about is how San Pedro Sula, you don't want to be there, but I will be there. You know, We'll be bringing you reports from there hopefully having some interviews on our show uh, from San Pedro Sula. But before we even get to that, the, the first U.S. national team game of the season is on Tuesday, and, uh, and we'll start getting a look at some of the some new faces, some of the players who Jurgen Klinsmann might choose to bring to the next level, to the World Cup qualifiers, and uh, we'll be all on top of all of it. Yes, and uh, if anything happens to Ivis while he's away in Honduras, don't worry, the show will always go on. I will not leave anyone. I just want to let everyone know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the show is safe in your hands, but I think I'll be all right. I think I'll be all right in San Pedro. I speak Spanish. Uh, I can give a mean face. Uh, I think I'll be all right. And I, and I also won't leave my hotel room probably. But. <laughs> that is smart. Well, I also I will not be here next week. I'll be in Tampa Bay. So if anyone's in Tampa Bay and wants to grab – actually, you know what? Get at me on Twitter. I need to know where to go in Tampa Bay to watch the U.S. men's national team game on Tuesday night. So get at me on Twitter. Love to meet up with you guys watch the game. That wraps it up the show. Uh, we'll thank Josie again. Ivis, as always, thank you, man. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Podcast. Thank you for listening. Sitting in traffic, another day of feeling nothing. Trying to find something. I guess it's back to paint and model blue on how I die.